Bonjour! I am running out of ways to say hello, but there are a lot of languages. Welcome to Show to V with Mike G, the show of college, the show of life. And today is an interesting one. I talked to Alex Shoemaker from the Roosevelt Room. I don't think Alex expected he would be in the realm of mixology or coctology. I think that he was destined for a different, more academic path, like a lot of us are, but there's that thing that triggers in our mind at one point, and everything lines up, and then we realize where our true passions lie. So this is a great chat with Alex from the Roosevelt Room. I hope you enjoy it. In my, in my mind, it's like some of the most Crazy beautiful stuff. artwork I've yeah. ever seen. Well, so what? Like, were you a Nintendo kid? Were you a PlayStation kid? Uh, no, we started off with a with a Nintendo standard a, NES, right? Yeah, just a Famicom, just like standard NES, yeah, basic stuff. When um, it was so, when was because uh, you're you're just like a little bit younger, well, maybe profoundly younger than me. I don't, I'm, I'm twenty eight. Sure. Twenty eight. Yeah, that's yeah. not too bad. I mean, if you you actually had an original NES, that's I got to give you credit for that because it was past that. Oh yeah, you know I mean, what I mean, we were we were always behind the times in my household yeah always we were why why for us it was money i mean i don't know if it was the same for you guys my dad my dad bless his heart has always been uh he didn't get let me put it this he didn't buy himself a new car until i was almost 21 years old no kidding yeah for the first time in his life he had a brand new car was it like everybody else first and then him or was it just that the money no it it was always like second hand so yeah so it was always buy buy things like two or three years later because you can get yourself a good deal on it you know like uh so we ended up i think with an nes pretty late and then i remember him i think he actually bought the super nintendo Uh like three years later and i think it was a second hand that he got it at like a like a used game when like n64 was already out and stuff like that yeah uh, so wait, 64 is there, I don't think we ever had a 64 I think my brother bought a 64 when he mm-hmm. was in college second hand yeah I think the only one we ever got like when it came out was PlayStation which is like a game changer no pun intended right yeah it was absolutely mind-blowing Do you, what what is it about because it's kind of different now I feel like everything's so super connected game wise that you lose a little bit of what that was that intimate Saturday afternoon you had to have with your oh, yeah. NES you know mm-hmm. Yeah, do you have? I, I've got a specific moment that that comes to mind for me. But is there anything on the NES where like there was this epic day dot 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 where you were playing NES or this epic night dot 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 where you're playing NES? Uh, I mean, there was. To be honest, there was a lot of that. Yeah, there was a lot of that. I had. Uh, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a in this. I mean, absolute, like, sprawling neighborhood yeah. in in the woodlands texas in woodlands which, oh yeah. shit i didn't know you're from woodlands yeah oh, well yeah, we so from that. pittsburgh spend some time in delaware but in in 89 or 90 we moved to to the woodlands no kidding and we were 90. there until 1999 okay but uh 
but absolutely just a sprawling neighborhood. And there was probably 10 kids um, within two or three years of, of my brother and uh-huh. I. How, so you're 28. How old's your older brother or younger brother? Older brother. Yeah, how old's yeah, your younger brother? Uh, he's, gosh, he's four and a half years older than me. So thir- so early 30s, yeah, too. Yeah, he's 32. Is he in the industry as well? Does some other stuff? No, no. He's in, um, he, he works for, uh, gosh, what's the name of the company? They're a, they're a, Social media marketing and advertising, uh, they call them like community managers. Oh, They're out of Austin here. No, I can't remember is, what, but does he live here? Is he yeah, still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, They're cool. here, which is actually why I ended up moving back here. Oh, I didn't uh, realize have, that. Yeah, when it's I like GDSNM or at GSDNM, I always. No, actually, my sister in law is a copywriter for them, though. No kidding. Yeah, they both they're both in in that industry. In the industry. Yeah. Well, um, so so then that kind of begs a good question. So I didn't know about the woodlands. You know, we we've kind of met t- touch and go through a couple people. Obviously, Dennis being one who mm-hmm. I think's quote unquote your boss at this point. But so where did yeah. you grow up? So you talk about Pittsburgh. You talk about woodlands. Where did you start? Where where was Alex born, if you will? Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. How long did you live there? We were there for, gosh, probably less than a year. Oh, not much. Not much. Do you at remember all. it at all? Not at all, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. We went back and visited, and I really have absolutely no recollection. Mm-hmm. Um, but my remembrance begins probably in like i would say probably 1991 or two in the woodlands mm-hmm. um and, and those were the real the real formative years of my life for sure was it still built out was it because it now it's like a complex almost. oh god yeah was it i that mean big it was back? planned it was it's always been planned yeah. it's a planned community um yeah it started out i think we moved there and it was like twenty two thousand people okay when we left 10 years later it was 55,000 people that's insane and now i want to say it's close to 100,000 about 15 years later yeah i'll I'll hit a couple shows at cynthia woods every now and again once a year and it just is a big con gets a bigger and bigger because i'm from houston i lived in katie oh really yeah yeah yeah, 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 for sure and so what so what were your parents doing in houston and woodlands what caused you guys to move so we were um he was working for an independent contractor when we were Mm -hmm. living in pittsburgh uh he's a He's a, a hydrogeological engineer. Did he which work is for a ex- mouthful. Did, did oil? Uh, no, More, he, no. Actually, all of his classmates ended up going out and working for for big oil, mm-hmm. and all of them lost their jobs. No kidding. Like, like, and that would have been in the seventies when there was the big the big oil crash. Right. Right. Um, and he went for the remediation route. He went for like almost the polar opposite direction. No kidding. Uh, so he's always. He's always preached the environmentally conscious point of view. Oh, that's that's great. I yeah. mean, which wasn't popular then necessarily. No, not now at all. Now it's a huge thing. Not at all. Yeah. So has he found a, a bit of a break career-wise now? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So so uh, he left that independent contractor, and um, we moved to, do, to Delaware because he got hired by DuPont. Okay, uh, and then oh, Dupont big. transferred him out to the office in in the Woodlands or in so, Houston. He was so out Pittsburgh in to De- Delaware to Woodlands. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, we were in Delaware for maybe all of six months. Oh, so not much. Six months or a year. We were. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was actually talking with my brother about it last night. I have no remembrance of this at all. But do people in Delaware remember being in Delaware? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I don't do, know that they do. I don't know if it's like no automatic, offense, right? But if it's automatically like PTSD, you forget about <laughs> yeah. it. It's all over. Do you, do you remember Wayne's World? So they make. Yeah. They, they make. <laughs> yeah, actually, they traveled at. Delaware, and all of a sudden, it's like Delaware. Yeah. We're in Hawaii. <laughs> We're Nothing in notable there, right? Delaware. So, so he is, which is which awesome, environmentally sound, makes his way to oh, the yeah. woodlands. Mm-hmm. Which it's your mom, also kind of that green counterpart to him, or is she doing other stuff? Uh, no, I mean she she was 
She was at the house. Yeah. She took care of the family. Awesome. Uh, she did a great job. Yeah. Love that woman to death. She's. You guys are pretty close, then, I imagine. Uh, we weren't. <laughs> we weren't for <laughs> the first two thirds of my life, probably. What? Well, was it? Uh, did you grow a beard particularly young, and that caused some punk <laughs> space yeah, between auto auto angst? Yeah. yeah, kicked in at about fifteen when I started shaving. That's right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she and I. I think uh, I was six weeks premature. Six, yeah, six weeks premature. Gotcha. And I spent a lot of time in and out of the hospital. And she seems to think our relationship was strained because mm-hmm. she was the one who was taking me to the hospital all the time. Oh, no kidding. So that's what that's what she thinks. Yeah. But, but we just have totally different uh, world views, I think. Yeah, and like the way different. that we do things, the way that we look at things is very different, yeah. which as a, as a teenager is really annoying. Sure. But as, a, as, a, as an adult... You kind of uh, come to appreciate it. Yeah. It's refreshing. I really, uh, the way that she looks at, she's, my dad always is, has been a little bit more uh, like my way or the highway about right, stuff. Right, But my my mother was always like, whatever you want, however yeah. you want to do it, we support you. Totally you, flexible. Which, totally flexible on everything. That's so good. Except for like when she asks you to take out the trash, if it takes five minutes or longer, she's down your throat about it. So like that's. The, but my Did dad, you guys have that can crusher too in the garage. That was a Houston no, thing. I remember. No. no, we never had one, but no. there was so much Coke, and it was. I mean, Coke. I say yeah, Coke because yeah. Coke means Spray. Yeah, Coke right, means right. Dr Pepper. Yeah, the, the Coke well, means, yeah, well, beer, whatever. So Coke. I was saying because I lived up in Salt Lake, I lived in Detroit, and we yeah. were saying pop. Really? So I come down here and people are like, "What the what the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, because well, so everything's moved, a Coke. When we moved to North Carolina. Uh, when I was about thirteen, yeah, it was the same thing. So People Woodlands like, to North Carolina, yep, same same industry. I guess it yep. was for your dad's so, work. Yeah, again. working for Dupont. Yeah. We ended up uh, taking over the office in Charlotte. Oh, cool. Um, got a great promotion, I believe, is what moved us up there. Yeah. Um, so do you stick long in Charlotte? Yeah, we were there. My folks are still in the same house. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, we were there. I was there for collectively. 13 years or so till your mid 20s i guess something yeah. like that yeah. yeah yeah i moved i moved off to i took the, the sabbatical the sabbatical ages, the, yeah the sabbatical what well, is no, so real quick so you uh so it was high school in, in charlotte then middle yeah middle school, middle school we moved school? between fifth and sixth grade oh, okay. my brother was between sophomore year and junior year of mm-hmm. high school so that was real rough for him i think dude it's really t- i've been really there bad. yeah it's really tough um but uh my older sister had graduated and been a university of dallas for a year mm-hmm. so um how old is she she's two years older than my brother so, so like she, 34 six seven yeah, years 30, older than you 35 yeah 35 i want to say so she'd already kind of been past that stuff so yeah. you you get implanted for middle school and high school which is yeah that's rough because that hard you don't even rough. know at least for me i didn't even know who i was yet Mm-mm. and make Mm-mm. it more confusing mm-hmm. by tossing me in a place where I have no idea of the social yeah. structure of things. You know? Yeah, and, and the social structure was totally different in, in Charlotte than it was in, in the Woodlands. Why? What would you say is different about it? Uh, I mean, for the for the first time, I'm I'm like, the Woodlands is incredibly uh, affluent. Incredibly yeah, oh, affluent, sure. A lot of incredibly, money. Incredibly whitewashed, for yes. lack of a better phrase. Homogenous. There's not it, a lot of yeah, minorities, frankly. There's really not. Exactly. Yeah. Homogenous is much better. To, <laughs> much better way <laughs> I of like whitewashed. I've never heard that. Man. I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty... Uh, you're looking at uh, a predominantly white white community, mm-hmm. and then you go to Charlotte, North Carolina, and the New South. Yeah. And oh, you've, yeah. Got, you've got crosstown busing going on. And right. You have, you've got demographics that you're going to school with that you've 
never really had much contact with, which yeah, is awesome. It was mind blowing. A me, melting you know what I mean? pot, you know. It's mind blowing to me. But for the first time, I'm still, I'm seeing like uh, Confederate flags flying yeah. off the backs of trucks, and I'm like, this is still a thing, you know? Like, right, right. This is, this did you, was did it weigh heavy? Still, was it something like even that was palpable in the air that you could feel like this tension, this racial tension? Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, because just a couple of years later, they declared. Uh, forced desegregation uh unconstitutional really yeah uh that was not even that many i, th- I want to say that was when i was in the eighth grade or so no way um yeah so they quit crosstown busing at that point that's insane and i noticed a, a distinct change in the feel of of the schools at that point really um, what so what uh, can you kind of describe what that change might have felt like yeah i mean it was it was just the kids i mean because we lived in way way south charlotte which is a Fairly homogenous, uh, homogenous, easy, um, easy, like su- uh, suburbia kind of suburbia. Thing? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was very similar to the woodlands, right? But, um, but yeah, it just it felt more like what I had been already experiencing. Gotcha. Okay. Which which so I, it went back. It went from maybe what is like a rich multicultural school yeah. to going back to, to how going it was back in the to how it was in the woodlands. Exactly. The, yeah, that's interesting. So it was like you said about eighth, ninth grade, something like that. Yeah, it was probably probably. Actually, probably seventh or eighth grade. So I hadn't, I didn't really get to experience that for a very long time. Yeah. But uh, but when I did, through the time that I did, it was awesome. That's cool. It was really awesome. So what what kind of how was this high school experience for you? I mean, it's always different for us. I moved around a bunch. Like we moved yeah. around. Uh, not only that, but I moved in my junior year of high school too. And oh so yeah. I get yeah. tossed into Katie in your junior. I mean, it's just like from, a, it was that from Detroit. Is well? I know it's from Salt Lake. So it's like Salt, wow, you were all you talk about place. a nice, great education program going coming to Texas. Yeah, that was a very, very big shift. Very, well, I mean, Conroe Independent School District was great compared yeah. compared to Charlotte sure. Mecklenburg Schools, which is all done by this like almost politically driven uh, over overseeing. So you've got mm-hmm. this. Uh, that you're gonna, you've got your school superintendent or right. whatever, but but you have all these folks who are essentially just like overactive parents running oh, the, the program helicopter in Charlotte. Parents, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was awful compared to relative to to the woodlands. Which right, was it feels like you were rich, moved... and there was lots of art. And, yeah, you know, exactly. They started band in the fifth grade, and they were like banning that in Charlotte at the time because nobody wanted to spend money on it. That's insane. Because everybody wanted to spend money on sports. Oh, it's sports, but, right? Yeah. So, so the what was that path like then for you? Was it, when you're talking about being in school, were you the art kid? Were you the oh, sports man. kid? I was, you know, I all, I was all over. The, I just took on too much. Yeah, I I, uh, I was definitely not the the academic child. Yeah, um, I never really struggled with grades. Mm-hmm. I just never really concentrated. Was it even interesting grades. to you? It was not. Yeah, it wasn't at all. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I'm an Eagle Scout. So I was doing that at the time. Yeah. Well, how about that? That, was, that seems like a kind of a cool use of skills. At yeah, least. it was great. Yeah. I, I had, that was something that my dad and I shared for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, once a week we had a meeting, once a month we went on a camping trip. Yeah, we did awesome. that for 10 years. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, and outside or in North Carolina, right? Oh, God, of, yeah. yeah. It was, oh, it was beautiful. I mean, you go to the mountains, you go to the beach. You yeah. Had, the the Piedmont area in between, mm-hmm. just, yeah, you couldn't ask for a better a better state. But for, academia wasn't really no, your not thing. my thing. No, and then in the meantime, I was also a year round swimmer, so I was doing mm-hmm. uh, like nine practices a week oh, at wow. one point. That's so yeah, I was doing two practices a day, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 
And then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I was doing a practice and like an hour-long dry land practice. No kidding. So that was taking up a lot of my energy as well. So that was where your your efforts to become an Olympic swimmer I'm, began. No joke, though. I no, mean, it I, was it was there was a there's a a kid a kid a grown man now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy uh, named uh, Ricky Barons who actually went to UT, uh-huh. who I swam with regularly at Mac, who no I kidding. trained with, who was. Two-time Olympian, yeah. No kidding. Gold medal, gold medal winner. Is that uh, was that something on your radar at all? That that maybe the swimming thing would turn into something? Yeah. That you, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I was, I was in, I was in the top ranks at, yeah. at times, not consistently enough, mm-hmm. but at times to where I probably could have ended up with a scholarship to a university. That's crazy. But going into my sophomore year of high school or so mm-hmm. so uh, yeah probably going into my sophomore year i crashed just absolutely burnt out got burnt totally oh, too totally, much yeah. totally too yeah yeah we there's a big jump going from like the 11 12 13 14 range in training style going to the 15 through 18 range okay in terms of like the the skill level and how it is competitively in, in terms of you're 15 years old and you're swimming with 18 year olds at practice right and you're talking a big difference in physiology at that point and and like mental stability and emotional stability and when you're spending that much time getting yelled at by a coach and you're 15 years old just uh yeah what's the word does it just break you down yeah yeah Yeah. i mean and i think that's what it's supposed to do it's they're weeding out you know they're kind of like the military right yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely it's so so where did you go? So you you get burnt out with the swimming because it got, that's a lot of yeah. nine nine practices plus yeah. some dry. I mean that's that's a lot. Yeah, of it was dedication. awful. I was in great shape and I and and so I I continued with sports. I played rugby for a, a season at mm-hmm. my high school. There was a club. It was basically just like a bunch of, of dudes running around uh, tackling each other. Right. It was which but uh, still to this day there's many oh <laughs> unofficial yeah, yeah rugby I, yeah <laughs> yeah it was a lot of fun though the guys on the team were a lot of fun. Um, a lot of, I mean, those were the guys who were drinking heavily even in high school. Yeah. So, well, uh, you have to, that's where rugby was born. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a, there's a phrase that I heard somewhere recently from a rugby player that was, uh, something like, something like, um, soccer or foot, soccer or football Mm. is, is a, uh, is a gentleman's, no, what was it? Is a sport, is a. Hooligan sport played by, oh fuck, sorry, it's the other way around. A gentleman rate, sport played the, by hooligans. The the idea, yeah, it's a yeah. gentleman sport played by hooligans. The the other way around, rugby is a uh, hooligan sport played by gentlemen. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's a lot better. Yeah, let like, loose just for after the pub yeah, lets out. Yeah. yeah, but as soon as you get going, afterwards, yeah, that's where the hooligan comes out. But the minute Got you're it. on the field, the minute you're on the field, it's all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're talking about. 200 plus pound guys for sure brute absolutely force brute stuff. force but, but there's some uh there's some there's, manners to it some yeah there's, sophistication, a, there's a lot of manners to it yeah it's, uh, it's almost militaristic in a way the way that mm. they plan moving the lines it's yeah. almost it's almost like looking at a battle it's in, it's really interesting the it way that the plays are, are laid out so what is that what what's the next step because it's just a club obviously in the states yeah. where it's not a huge thing no, there's not I mean, a lot of leagues our team went to the national uh conference that year which mm-hmm. was a lot of fun in dallas i didn't get to go to that um, I wasn't what, what on the A side. Oh, gotcha. I wasn't on A side, so I, I was like, "Well, I'm I'm not used to not being good at something, so <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna quit that too." So I went up. I end up 
um, going to this high school that my brother went to mm-hmm. um, that was really focused in the arts and and uh, and choir yeah. and theater and band. Musically all the, all the good stuff, man. Yeah, all it was a lot stuff. of fun. Yeah. Um, so where'd you find yourself? Did you find yourself as a singer or an actor? Both. Uh, all both. Of yeah. No all kidding. of the above. Yeah. I ended up, um, I did choir all four years, did chamber choir for the last two years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was did you end up uh, taking very that? serious. I, I love, I love that that's when that, all that stuff really happens. It bubbles up. So you start to find your voice literally. Yeah. Literally. Did speaking. you start taking that and maybe writing and singing do you play any instruments to accompany that no i did some uh i did some some uh i did music theory ap my i guess that would have been my senior year uh so i i learned the theory behind playing several instruments but i never really i never really picked up anything i always felt uh uh, kind of awkward with it in my hands. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, the guitar, just didn't my feel brother, natural. Yeah, yeah, my brother played guitar, uh, and it just never felt natural to me. Piano but, felt a little bit more natural, uh, but for some reason, singing was always that was, was always your the way go-to. to do it. Yeah, that was how I how I managed to express myself. Did you feel like music was that it was an eye opening thing that you finally got? what the world was about because that's what how music was for me right yeah. like I, yes, you know absolutely it was never mine for me and i don't care how trite that may be but mm-hmm. once my mom listened to that record she was always really deeply interested in what i was listening to she listened to it, she goes oh yeah i like it but mm-hmm. that that record changed my life and that's what made me realize that oh i think i'm gonna write songs mm-hmm. so how, how did what did music open up for you oh man uh i mean first off yeah my relationship with my father is uh we've always been really, really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and music has always played a huge part. In so that. a way for you guys to bond. Yeah. I what mean, in my brother and I as well. Sure. But in two different, two very different styles. Different genres. Two, yeah. 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 And two what very did, different What do you, and your dad, like what's that, oh, that man. band that you guys. Uh, so, I mean, my mom, my mom was, <laughs> used to listen to the worst stuff. Uh, sure. I love her, but she listened to the worst stuff. Like uh, what? Oh gosh. Uh, oh man. I can't even, like the Amy Grant Christmas record oh, in, in like God, July, she'd yeah. be playing that, you know? It's so pleasant, but yeah, too but, pleasant. It's but, way too pleasant. But in like, that, I think that record came out probably in like 1997. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in like 2010, and she's still playing still that record in like July. So she's like nailing all the notes. <laughs> still killing it. But that, I, was, that was who she was. She yeah. Just, she liked what she liked. That's she good though. That's it. great. But my dad, however, what, you know, like my mom, if my dad would play a record and mm-hmm. it was too too loud which is to say that we could barely hear it right but she thought uh, she's like guys can you turn it down yeah, it's too God, loud i can just hear her screaming at us uh <laughs> so we almost never played music in the house so when she'd leave mm-hmm. you know my dad and i would like, he'd be like all right let's let's put this i still remember the first time he played dark side of the moon oh wow and that cast register chinging as yes. it fades in you know and me just being like absolutely mesmerized by that That's it's like insane. some of those moments were so wonderful to me yeah like, playing that record Cleaning the house with my dad because that's how he always convinced to... me to clean the house was him playing like music I'd never heard before. What better way though? Yeah, that's a one. Pink Floyd's obviously great, great to. Oh yeah, with. you so, know. <laughs> so Pink Floyd. I mean, just listening to David Gilmore play guitar, I still. Oh, David Gilmore, man. yeah, man. He's. I mean, the, the solo from "Comfortably Numb" is one of the best solos ever, top ten ever, ever. Makes me. I mean, you can totally almost come agree. to tears just thinking about that solo. It's insane. Yeah. yeah so. But that's where he—that's what he kind of came from. That kind of classic rock stuff. So actually, uh, what what 
pushing it even a little bit further, mm-hmm. his relationship with my grandfather was very, very similar, but based in very different music. So yeah. he still, I actually uh, pirated some of some of his, uh, I kind of copped a few of those vinyls. But nice. Um, but there was a number of uh, amazing. I don't. I don't even. I really don't even know when they were pressed. Mm. Uh, copies of like some Wagner and oh, some man. Uh, Debussy. Yes, uh, romantic and, period. Oh, yeah, just like some really, really amazing uh, romantic um, and impressionistic era. That's that classical. is. You think about so because I try to frame it. Billy Hankey was in here the other night. And oh yeah. So Billy loves Baroque music. Oh yeah. Which, <laughs> which, for a guy that's so tall and kind of overwhelming, yeah. you would not believe it, right? So we're <laughs> no, starting... I guess I can believe that because he's so <laughs> soft spoken. I still yeah. can't believe it. You're like it being into handle, like yeah. Mozart and stuff. Well, I mean, I I get it. I, I get it. It's I, I mean, I it's sort of he's like the original rock star. You yeah. Know what I mean, no, so, it's a great yeah. point. So you frame now. You think about Wagner. You, obviously, Apocalypse Now using mm-hmm. it. Um, the Grand, the, the Bridal March, like all these kinds of things. Yeah. And Debussy, which is my personal yeah, favorite. Yeah, my absolute me, Ab- me as well. Absolutely. Uh, Claire de Lune, despite how much it's played, is still the most beautiful piece of composition ever yeah. committed. But yeah. you think, like, if you frame it, that these guys were performing this stuff, much like Britney Spears is performing in Vegas. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it's this. it was the pop music of the time. Right. And it feels like we've lost our complete sense of emotional context right. in our our depth as people. If you go and just listen to the two, you know. Just using music as a marker. You're yeah. Oh my right. God. What a de evolution, right? Yeah. It's insane. So, well, but it's there. It's there. Yeah. I mean, maybe not in pop music. But it's, you're right. It's but there. it's there. Yeah. It's there for sure with guys like, um, oh, I'm sorry. I I'm, I'm, can't remember his name from the Mountain Goats. Um, I'll get the, the Mountain, no, the Mountain Goats. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Him, the lyrical content in his music is amazing. Uh, yeah. My girlfriend has a particular fascination with Elliot Smith. Oh, jeez. Uh, these guys who just are like absolutely every ounce of their music is grounded yeah. in, in their emotion. You, so here's an interesting thing about Elliot Smith, and this is an amazing thing. So uh, at my, my, my day job, if you will, there was a new person that came in. Her name was Ashley. And we we're talking on chat, right? We're tech companies. So we're mm-hmm. talking on chat. And I said, yeah, I've been working on this new record. I'm being like kind of depressive and stuff you know, as, as, <laughs> like, as yeah, i probably was like in the early 20s yeah. i'm like yeah you know really what i want to do is just finish this record and then just off myself you know yeah. like that that's like <laughs> nick drake style even though that was kind of incidental yeah. or accidental mm-hmm. and she goes oh yeah yeah that's that's man that's something it's like that's what my brother did and i was like wait what no way and i go was he must have been a musician she's like yeah and we go and we're talking a little bit more context and context she's like yeah, my brother was Elliot Smith. Oh God! And wow. we're talking about suicide. <laughs> and you're like bad jokes, man. Well, it wasn't a <laughs> joke, but who the fuck am I to talk about yeah, that? Really? And it turned out that that was his stepsister, and we talked about Elliot Smith and stuff. Man, and that must have been an eye-opening conversation. It it makes you feel so stupid for even humoring the idea. Yeah, you talk about Elliot Smith and having made at least three of the greatest records ever made and Pro- probably at least right exo for that style yeah, yeah. for oh, sure yeah. F- figure eight um even roman candle and the first self-titled it's like still heartbreaking stuff yeah. but but anyway so you going back to the classical bits so was right. that that's also really influential it moved you to oh be yeah more interested mm-hmm. in music yeah. absolutely uh so that's where i get my uh bass fascination in music mm-hmm. uh, just it's always been like that between he and I. He, his his homepage at at our home computer is mm-hmm. still Pitchfork Media. 
uh, the guy listens to like Canadian online Canadian indie rock stations. Amazing and, like, in NPR and KEXP's just, greatest oh God, contributor. Yeah. How does he feel about the Condé Nast purchase? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be funny if he's like, he calls it Alex. Holy shit, did you hear this? The guys representing the guys from Entourage bought Pitfork. Pitchfork. Yeah. Yeah, it's a interesting day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but he stays up on that stuff. That's uh, that's so great. He came out for uh, Austin Psych Fest this year. No shit. Did yeah. you see the zombies? No, we didn't. We Tame didn't. Impala this yeah. year too, right? Yeah, we yeah. saw Tame Impala. We did the OCs, which I think was his his favorite set. That's a spiritualized was amazing. Oh, I speaking bet of classic, uh, great, just great Brit rock, music. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's but, killer, so, man. So, it, did that motivate you to get more involved with it, or was it just this source of inspiration for you? So, no, I think I've always, as he's always been, uh, just an an avid. Uh, fan, just a just an avid listener. Yeah, um, constantly seeking out new stuff. And my brother's the exact same way. The stuff that he likes is very different than the stuff that my yeah, dad so likes. It's different genre. Like- yeah, I mean, dad grew up in and he likes Todd Rundgren and Naz and yeah. like all of these really amazing old school psych amazing. oriented right uh, musicians and King Crimson. Uh, oh God, yeah, yeah, King Crimson. I still remember the first time he played uh. Twenty uh, first century schizoid man, yeah, 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 just like absolutely blew my mind, and I had this moment where I blew his mind when I showed him uh, Bad Religions. Okay, okay, Fuzz, so- Fuzz's cover because he he loves. He actually came up to Raleigh when I was living there and, mm-hmm. and saw Ty Siegel play with us. No kidding, which is awesome. Like that's that was wait the- wait wait wait. So Ty Siegel play with us? Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, he came up to see Ty Siegel play. With, okay, okay. Oh, with yeah. you? Yeah, yeah okay. with with me. I was like, when did the uh, the stardom? No, for you, Alex. No, I did. I did have a moment though when I was 24, where I I was singing backup with a few buddies of mine mm-hmm. uh, band in in Charlotte, and we got to play. We got to open for Matt and Kim, so that was oh, a lot cool. of fun. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's but great. that was like my biggest rock star moment. That's still that, a that great was, rock yeah, star moment. That was a lot of fun. Brett Michaels called me on the couch one day. Yeah, <laughs> talking about his diabetes. Yeah, yeah, no, sh- no shit. Absolutely yeah. happened. Just like. I, there's a good story there, but that just just we'll just frame it that way. That I was I I told him I had to call him back because I wanted to take a nap. That's, <laughs> yeah, how, that's how you cut the Brent call Michaels up with Brent call Michaels. Uh, <laughs> even in Texas, even in the early 2000s. Yeah, that's well. Awesome. So what you know the music piece. You know, it's with I think we will find that in the industry. I'm just going to use this kind of ominous term, right? The industry that many people you talk about chris bostic who's into drama jason mm-hmm. cosmos was just in here jason was an art guy like everybody comes from in some sense some kind of creation mm-hmm. and it's it's amazing whether it's music art uh, acting you know mm-hmm. so what was the the gateways you, you mentioned this time like when you get out of college you took a sabbatical did you end up or excuse me when you got out of high school you mm-hmm. took a sabbatical did you end up going to college was it not like the right thing for you oh no i definitely i went to uh so I took actually only uh, about a year off before mm-hmm. I started and I kind of dipped my toes in. I took like a French class or something about a yeah. year later and was like, oh, maybe I'll go back. And so I did two years at a community college in Charlotte called CPCC, which mm-hmm. is like 55,000 students. That's it's gigantic yeah, it's for a community huge. college. I think it's the largest in the country. No kidding. But uh, but yeah, so I did two years there and I had a a number of really good friends who lived in Raleigh up mm-hmm. uh, up at NC State, North Carolina State University. Yeah. And my brother was going to Chapel Hill at the time. Um, so I was frequently visiting the university up there. Right. Uh, and I just, I had grown t- extremely tired of working uh, dead-end jobs for other people. Sure. Just getting, just working 
hours beyond hours and not really seeing any reward. Yeah, no for fruit it. of the labor. Yeah. So I decided to apply. Uh, and I had a 4.0 actually coming out of uh, CPCC for the no first kidding. time in my life. I've realized the value of actually studying hard. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, and, 4 and seeing, man. Yeah, and seeing and seeing reaping that reward. Um, so I I end up transferring to NC State and I, I transfer in, and you know my relation, you know my relationship with my father being the most important thing. I yeah. transfer in as uh, a, an environmental technology major. No way. Yeah. So I, in his I footsteps. Up, yeah. In his footsteps. Yeah. So I end up taking one economics course about two years later, and I fall in love with it. Absolutely. Economics. Unequivocally, just like, just head over heels, fall in love with this. What was it about? The, the structure? The numbers? Yeah, was the structure. I mean, it, but the theory, the, the philosophical and sociological uh, impacts of, mm-hmm. of studying economics were what really wound me up, what right. I really got my, my kicks out of. Interesting, yeah. So, and and I, blame, I blame this one professor for for that he was a great guy he had pictures of alfa romeos all over his office walls he was <laughs> awesome dude yeah awesome he, laissez-faire i mean the kind, I of, yeah, yeah. The kind of the kind of guy who quoted kanye west in his lectures no way yeah um, but but still like 65 years old yeah he's an awesome guy in touch in touch yeah but he was a great guy i blame him absolutely for kind of uh, that shift yeah to the for taking control of the ship and, yeah and shifting me over from from that to from to economics so but did, did you so uh, yeah how did that end out so i ended up kind of incorporating both i did a uh i took a, a statistics course that was predominantly focused in environmental statistics mm-hmm. um so i ended up concentrating on uh utility okay the concept of utility the concept uh, of utility uh, not well, utilities well, utilities actually the, con- oh, the oh. concept of of uh i guess basing Basing utility operation in in sound economics, no, and and how okay. and how optimizing this actually helps to aid in uh, a, a more environmental environmentally friendly uh, utility. So the intersection for the, for the nation, for the country, for yeah. the world, really, uh, actually cutting costs and producing a, a like a more a, a cheaper. A, a cheaper unit of energy uh-huh, for, uh-huh. for everybody at the exact same time. Um, While also having the, the wonderful benefits of being good for the the world. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was it's kind of a threefold thing. You get cheaper energy, you get cleaner energy, you get... Um, you get more... I mean, you get yeah. more energy at that point. Well, that's, a, that's a huge shift. It seems like... I, I, you know, if I was a bet man, I couldn't bet that that's where you would have ended up. No, me either. Yeah. Yeah. Me, absolutely. Me either. And where did it take you? Where did it take you? I mean, how far did you go with it? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I graduated and I actually interviewed for a job with uh, the legislature out here in Austin, in, Texas. In Austin, oh. Yeah. I mean, so when I, when I graduated, my brother called me up and he, he was like, yeah. You know, I know you're probably tired of North Carolina at this point. Why don't you move Who out here? I'm tired of hearing about it already. God, seriously, it's absolutely... Enough already. Politically speaking, it's the worst, but I didn't exactly move away from it. I kind of right. moved into just a larger version of it sure. in Texas. But at any rate, so he... Well, Austin at least is an oasis. Right. And Raleigh was too. Was it? Raleigh was too. The triangle is very similar to Austin. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean... The amount of education, yeah, gotcha, it gotcha. Really speaks volumes about the people living in the area. But um, at any rate, 
So he calls you out. He's so, like, "Is so a good opportunity for you? Like yeah, for legislation here. Is that right? For the yeah, to the legislature. Um, flew out here, interviewed, and I'm like, yeah, I got this job. I got yeah, it. When in was bag. this? By the this way, this was in September of last year. Oh, so, so recent. September yeah. 2014. 2014. That's so just over a year ago. Just over a year ago. Yeah, actually, I had my year anniversary about about two days ago. No here. kidding. Yeah. yeah. Um. Because you seem firmly entrenched in the culture I, for what is less than really twelve months being here, uh, and I I really blame Justin and Dennis. I'm, sh- yeah. I'm sure those guys. Yeah, they, they, I blame them for a lot they of. They reached out real quickly. Yeah. Uh, I actually met them both in December, mm. so shortly after I moved here. Yeah, only and a few months. Only a few months. So, and but you you said in the interview you felt good about yeah, it. Yeah, I felt great. <laughs> yeah, to to. <laughs> To, dial it, to bring dial it in, back, bring right? it back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt great about it, mm-hmm. and never got a phone call. Not, not, nothing. not even, not even a denial. Sorry, we not even a sorry. Hey, like you know, there was. Well, I think what ended oh. up happening was there was a huge population of graduating lawyers. Oh yeah, who just, I mean, they had They've, better credentials than I did right. at that point. Even though it was like a thirty-two thousand dollar a year job, That's and a, you're not really even using your law degree, right, and blah, right. blah blah. Yeah, at any but rate, but still, so you you were outmanned. I was outmanned. Yeah. Um. So what what how'd you feel about the, what maybe some level of certainty that you got the got got the gig, or at least like had a great chance at getting it? Yeah, it was. It felt bad. Yeah. Honestly, it felt kind of bad. Yeah. Why? So what? What does one do with that negative <laughs> kind of like fuck the legislature? Yeah, I you know, mean, I was like, I don't really want to work for you guys anyway. Yeah, I don't even I'm gonna, like I'm any gonna of work you for <laughs> the opposite of that. So I realized I kind of had this crisis. It was a real short one. Yeah, it was maybe all of like six weeks long, mm. but um, I had this crisis. I was, I was like, I, now I don't know what to do. I don't. Even, I was like, I was kind of bitter about it. I didn't oh, really. I, I had no direction. I was like, well, is this really what I want to be doing? Right. And then I realized, well, I've been craft bartending all the way through college. So did you, was that even, because that's, a, it feels like a, a footnote right? to the career, right? It does. For the college career that, it does. oh wait, this whole time, this whole time, you've been craft bartending. Right. And I got my start at a spot called Foundation in Raleigh, which mm-hmm. is probably my favorite bar of really? all time. Yeah. Gotta go then. I have cozy, to check it out. super cozy. Uh, they were they were the first spot in town to be like running a like a syrup program. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to be making their own syrups in house and it being you know well like we're gonna make a, a ginger soda that we're gonna that we're gonna make in house. Yeah. We're gonna do a cinnamon syrup. We're gonna do uh, raspberry syrup in house. A framboise in house. Uh, so the, and pe- that's people ate it pretty. Up. Yeah, people they ate loved it. it up. They loved it. I love it. I still do. I look back on that very fondly. Uh, they had about seventy-five whiskeys on the shelf. Wow. It was a that's, predominantly. That's a it was domestic only there. Even so, better. we had one gin, yeah. one vodka, one rum, and seventy-five bourbons. American whiskeys. Basically yeah. bourbon. Yeah. Basically we'll bourbon. Say. Yeah, we'll say. Which uh, actually is a wonderful because, like, you know, I always try to tie back to the bottle that we pick for this conversation. Mm-hmm. For those of the the people that can't see what we're doing beyond just chatting, we're all, of course sipping a wonderful bottle, and this particular one is the Old Forester birthday bourbon from 2013. This is 13, mm. actually, which is a brilliant year. It is. Yeah, <laughs> kicking it back to bourbon. You yeah, know? it really is. And the 15's out really soon, and it was, it is just exceptional. So be kind of to take a little brief tangent, is bourbon your thing? Forever and always. Yeah. yeah. Why? What? What is it? 
Uh, I don't. I think, it, that's the dumbest question ever because it's self-evident in bourbon why it's great. But well, and I think the reason why it is for most people is because just the situation surrounding your first taste. Yeah, you know, I think for a lot of people, they we I think we it's a romantic spirit. It is, and I think we think about it that way in I terms of so. our histories. So, for me, I had I was living in Raleigh. All of my buddies who I had moved up there for had graduated, mm-hmm. moved away. And I get this job at Foundation, and for the first time, I feel like I'm a part of a, of a thing. That's so great. And and I'm f- learning all about bourbon at the same time. Yeah. So I think about bourbon as being like the start of my adult life. Sure. The and thing that brought you the, into it. The, the thing that brought me into what was, I love doing. Was there one that you kept going back to in those first <laughs> those first months? Well, or 12. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's well, weeded. Who, who wouldn't? It's know? weeded, and it's yeah. soft, and it's easygoing, and delicious, and beautiful. And this is before, I think, they start, uh, they, they, they switched up the, um, the distilling style. Mm-hmm. Uh, was this pre-Buffalo Trace? Well, Buffalo Trace has been doing it a bit now. Yeah. Um, but it's... You really don't get much more beautiful than Weller no. 12. And it was cheap, too, Yeah, relative to Still the other stuff that was on the shelf. Even though people find it as the pappy killer, right? That they can't get that bottle and they go yeah. and get it. Yeah. It's a brilliant way to... Actually, like, you class up the joint. If that that's where you start. It's what's like, well, you know, I started watching movies, but I only watched Godard. <laughs> uh, what, who is this Spielberg you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's a pretty high echelon, you know? Yeah. So, so then you're doing this thing... This craft bartending thing, understanding how to make syrups. I, under, I probably understand how to make bitters. Just understanding fundamentally what ingredients are. Right. There's some element of performing in that too, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. To, uh, oh, rock star-ishness, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I, that always came to me really easily. You know, I, my mom tells everybody that I've ever dated about this story about me winking at a, like a flight attendant or something <laughs> at like the age of three. Yeah. You know? And, and it. You guys are now married, right? That's yeah, how the yeah, story yeah. Is. yeah. Jordan, I love you. I'm sorry, but, <laughs> but I'm married to that flight attendant. Uh, so, but but she felt like maybe you had the licks for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I loved feeling like I was on stage and the dramatic yeah. lighting and and more than anything, I think it was um, making people's nights, just making other people have a good time, yeah. helping other people have a good time. Um, I, I had I'd never really done much hosting before, mm-hmm. you know. I had been a table server before that, and I had done that for a long time. And I loved that, but there was something, something different, right? There's something so much more rewarding about simultaneously putting together this product in front of somebody yeah. and talking to them and learning about them and sharing this experience mutually with them. Right. Uh, and I think that's what has always drawn me to, to, to this business. To, so, so is that what it made, made it easy to say, well, the... The straightened path, the straight and narrow job mm-hmm. with the legislature. Mm-hmm. Shit, well, this just didn't work out. Yeah. So, so what, what was that thought then? It's like, well, I'm going to go and see how this works for doing craft stuff yeah. in Austin. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it it was kind of a last ditch. I was like, well, if this doesn't work out, I don't know what's going to. But yeah. but I had this ink, this thing, this, this drive in the back of my head that, that said that this is... You know, I was like, I'm going to see how it goes. But um, if I've studied economics and I understand business fairly well. Right. It's and not I, any, it's, it's hardly that is, different. It's business. I yeah, mean, exactly. it, it is a business, but but I love doing this aspect of this business. Why yeah. Why can't I combine the two things? Sure. And, and 
and then I meet Justin and Dennis. Where did you where did you meet them? By, by uh, the way? I think I met Justin for the first time at Half Step. Oh well, um, yeah, yeah, at Half Step. Yeah, I, I was had a stint I walked over up there. and uh, uh, Alex Flynn, who actually worked with me at Foundation, mm-hmm. who I I blame for my love affair with with spirits. Is, it, um, is he still back in? No, he's in Asheville now. Okay. Uh, he's a Bar 5 grad, actually. Oh, man. He, he did the Bar 5 course with Dennis last year. Oh, yeah. I remember when he passed. Yeah. yeah it was. It's interesting hearing the war stories there. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, my palate was fatigued. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in <laughs> I all mean, fairness, it was probably super, sincerely yeah, fatigued. Yeah, I haven't done the course yet. I plan on it this year. But, but God, I mean, you're talking about five days of tw- like 12 hours worth of tasting mm-hmm. and talking about booze and thinking about booze. And then you go and you sit in a in a room with i don't i can't remember it's like 20 tastings or something ridiculous a whole lot yeah and after five i can't even imagine getting fatigued but the other fast. 15 sure after and then after a week of doing this and being articulate about yeah, it. yeah and and str- struggling i can't even imagine yeah. but uh, so you uh, met so you met justin so I, I, mean, I met justin alex sent me his way he said hey man you should really go check out this bar right there's a really phenomenal bartender there named justin uh he was working back at the house at the bar five mm-hmm. and i walk up to the bar and and Lo and behold, Justin's Justin's standing right there, and I'm yeah. like, "Hey, man, my buddy Alex sent me your way. Uh, let's let's chat. Like, yeah. let's just. I mean, we, and he and I had a great conversation about. I think I there's a bartender named Ann at Whistler's who made me my first drink in Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? It was a uh, it was a, a white Negroni with mezcal and Grand which, Classico. Nice. Which it was Vita I, is what she yeah did. yeah which is great and the, man I'm not even gonna talk about the Grand Classico thing but I claim that mix do you really yeah the Grand Classico rinse five years ago yeah because that's now it's blasphemous to me as maybe we'll talk about mezcal but that, that becomes a common theme in these conversations yeah. but obviously Justin even at that point because I've known Justin for a bit now he was looking to open his own place he was back from Boulder kind yeah. of here what, was he talking to you and saying hey I'm gonna do this thing well so so uh I ordered this cocktail through him um, and he makes it for me. It was delicious. And so that's the moment when he and I start talking about, about drinks and, and spirits. And um, somebody had sort of whispered to me that he was thinking about doing his own thing. Right. Well, you know, it's on his, it's on Um, many people's radars before they even know it. Yeah. Before he had even purchased a space yet, before he and Dennis had even purchased a space yet. So, so I kind of go on this crusade, right. Mm. Uh, And I'm, I, I played, it real, I played it real cool. I played it real cool. But every time I saw him, I was like, hey, man, I, I, you know what? Keep me updated. Yeah. I'm super interested. You know, I don't have much experience in management, but I love this business. I love, I love, I love this business. Yeah. And, and I feel like... Uh, he wanted to make sure he knew... I wanted to make sure that he knew that I was in the game. Yes. And that I was available. Right. And that I would make myself available whenever the time came. He's the kind of guy to rally behind. He and Dennis um, both. I yeah, think. yeah, and 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 I love them both for their own specific reasons. Sure. And, and Laurel so, and Hardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mom and dad. Yeah. Mom and dad. Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> however you want it. There's definitely they are totally yeah, mom and dad for sure. Mom and dad. Yeah, totally. Um, so the same thing happens with Dennis. I meet Dennis at a uh, Barman's Fund event. It was mm-hmm. the Daiquiri event at a uh, at um uh Midnight Cowboy. Oh, okay, okay. So I meet him for the first time there. And I'm like, hey, hey, Dennis, you know, I hear that you're going to do this thing. Right. And I would love to just keep me in touch, keep in touch with me. Keep keep me on know, the short keep list. Keep me abreast of the situation. Right. And, um, and so I, I continuously see them for like the next month or so mm-hmm. independently, never together. 
and then I just keep that's intentional and, remi- and it's like a Clark Kent thing yeah that you never see them in the same room <laughs> yeah <laughs> I still haven't seen them in the same I've room never yeah. seen them in the I've same never room. seen them in the same room <laughs> <laughs> but, but so they they when when did it cement when did that relationship finally have officialize if you will so in january uh justin called me up and he's like hey man in a, in a couple of days you want to come over to we went over to salt and time mm-hmm. and and i had a brief interview and a talk with them and it didn't really feel like so much of an interview as much as him him saying okay so we're gonna we're bu- doing we're buying this. the space this week right um here's the deal and yeah. he gave me the down low and and i said Hell yeah, let's do it. That's let's, great. Let's let's do this. Yeah, we were talking. You know, Dennis, I go way back, and we talked about the space and this progress of the space. And so the the, the space that they finally decided, which is really kind of two spaces, really, mm-hmm. uh, which was the Madison, and I can't remember what the other room was called. Oh man, previously, yeah, it was an it was a number of things. Yeah, it was, it was totally a number base of things. O, and it was trailer park bar, and they had this really awful like half of a car in the front of the room. Yeah, it was there was like turf on the Something. ground and stuff. It was but suffice awful. it to say that the resulting just what is really a, a recent rebuild because mm-hmm. there's still this larger De Rigor kind of yeah. concept and stuff mm-hmm. which I'll let Dennis talk about at some point but you guys did a wonderful build out of the Roosevelt Room. But that's that's the resulting the project now. So, so right? we took on what was uh, a failed, a miserably failed project. Yeah. Uh, a couple of guys opened up a bar when they built it without any permitting. Mm-hmm. So they they peace out they they lose their they lose yeah, their license they that's lose, right they yeah. lose their ceo so they they at three months in they have to shutter the mm-hmm. last day that they are operating is new year's eve we walk in and there's still confetti that's like it crazy. was awful so quick quick they, turnaround they, but then. they they strip everything out of the bar except for this really awful honeycomb that's on the back the bar. it's like the most yeah. impractical back bar i've ever seen in my life i don't even know what they were thinking probably not um, although I met recently uh, the guy who built that thing, uh-huh. uh, and super great guy. Did he have I, any? He re- like, did you ask him that one question? He was like, what "I didn't design hell? it; I just built it." Ah, gotcha. He was like, ten thousand dollars. I'll build you whatever you want." Sure. So, uh, so honeycombs done. Yeah, done. And when we ripped them off the wall, I, I wanted to commend the guy because it was sturdy. Really sturdy. Yeah, it was a huge pain to get that thing off the wall. At any rate, so. Um, we end up with that. We end up with these uh, red velvet banquettes that mm-hmm. we've got to somehow manage, which is totally not our taste level. Right. Different aesthetic altogether. Because you're going from one clientele to another, really. Yeah. Totally different. Totally different clientele. Yeah. Um, and then this granite underlit bar. Mm-hmm. And that's all we've got, really. Uh, so we have to stock the entire thing out. <laughs> and, and the reason why we actually, we were going to leave it uh, and just operate the Madison for a while, right? But right. Um, somebody from, are you familiar with with hip hop, like '90s hip hop at all? Yeah, no, it was uh, Far Side. It was, was Far there, Side, right? yeah. yeah. So, so uh, one did, of the representatives did Far Side from the come far up side, and say, "Hey guys, uh, you need to fix this bar." Well, they were like, they walked in and they were like, "Oh, this would be a great space for for a concert." Yeah. Um, how would you guys feel about doing a showcase? previous to South by Southwest. Oh, this is before South by. So this, yeah. So we, we purchase in February, the very beginning of February mm-hmm. we walk in and Brandon Benitez and a few of other, you know, a few other guys yeah, yeah. to clean it. But any, so, so the, the guys from the far side come in and they offer us an amount of money that we can't refuse. I heard it was an obscene amount of money, actually. It was a fair amount of money. Yeah. Uh, and also, I mean, we're all super huge hip hop fans, mm-hmm. so we can't deny them just on 
just on principle alone. Mm. We've got to host them because that's like a notch in the hat that we just have to. And you get to go and hang out. Or sure, notch in the belt or place. feather in the cab, whatever. Sure. But, but uh, yeah, so it was great. And then directly after that, um, one of the guys from South by Southwest comes by and he's like, hey, we want to, we want to make you an official venue. So well, in roughly a month, we have to turn this place into a functional bar. Wow. Um, and it was... Functional. It was functional. Sure. Just barely, but it was functional. Um, and it, none of us got sleep for the month of February. Right. Um, but it worked. It worked. And, and then, so the, this recent build out, which has the kind of the new sign, the chalkboard, yeah, the new sign. that was a separate post. Yeah. South by so thing, we, right? we shut down after South by and we didn't open again. We were going to open maybe as a, uh, as an event space. Yeah. But yeah, um, from, from what I understand that being a fully operational cocktail bar, cocktail bar that you are now was not really, in it wasn't in the game plan. Yeah. No, it was not in the game plan. Um, but we, we kind of all mutually came to, or independently came to the came to the conclusion that, well, if we're gonna run a bar, mm-hmm. and why don't we just practice right now? Right. So yeah. we kind of opened the place three days a week to begin with, and and we loved it. We had a really good time with it. Um, good, like you guys got along. It's yeah, being creative, putting we, out a good yeah. product. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, finding staff though has a as every opening oh, in man. Austin happened in like the same month right. was super difficult for us but um, but three days a week was awesome I was there Thursday, Friday, Saturday also working at Eastside Showroom a couple days a week are you still at Eastside? no, no, no uh, Cause, quick, cause it, yeah, we, w- we went six days a week uh, from five to two mm-hmm. Monday through Saturday about a month back yeah and I've, don't look back just yeah, doing it all back. the time so we've, right? we've totally jumped in stripped that honeycomb off the wall rebuilt our back bar yeah. quadrupled our spirit selection yeah it's beautiful put up a 53 cocktail board that runs through seven generations a chronological cocktail. chronological cocktail, cocktail board, board yeah um that runs did you have a, any hand in that concept to to break it by phase kind <clears throat> no, of chronological I, I phase? think um we we actually all kind of sat down as a staff and had that conversation mm-hmm. uh what what time periods we really wanted to separate um, where where it made sense to make the breaks? Right. What cocktails were we going to put on the board? Um, <laughs> the most the most difficult, obviously, being Tiki. Sure. And the Dark Ages, which is <laughs> such an awesome name for an era. It's but great. it's so true. There's no information. Nothing's written down. Yeah. Resources are slim to none. It, is it? Would Dark you consider it one of your favorite? Now, now, so give me some background on there. Jason Scott just came in and he was kind of talking about the eras of when things went playboy, which I, I would yep. think is the commoditization of cocktail mm-hmm. making, which is not so different than now, actually. Not but so, so different. Well, yeah. So what is the, what would you say are the dark ages of cocktails? Uh, I would say probably 1950 through 1990s. Yeah. See, that's what, that's what he was saying. Yeah. And so what, what happened then? Like what, what came to the surface? What kinds of things, what rumblings happened in the industry? Just give me the booze and give it to me now. And then get me out of that. Yeah, and just just no frills. mass consumption. Sure, um, mass consumption. Just I mean, that's you're talking about the three martini lunch happening at the time. Yeah, yeah. And you you start switching away from taste. Just changed in general. You start sure. switching away from drier taste into sweeter taste, and you you get you you end up with some 
pretty awful cocktails. So yeah. I wouldn't even really call them drinks. Harvey Wallbanger is Har- good. Freddie Fuddpucker, which is the tequila <laughs> but, version of it, oh, is, is yeah, not bad. Galliano has its place in history. It certainly does. As a bottle to beat the hell out of people with. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a wonderful bottle yeah, for a It's a, a baseball assault. bat for a bottle, yeah. for sure. But, what, what do you think? Like, I, I always think about because cultural events and kind of sociology is mm-hmm. what drives cocktail cocktail patterns, cocktail mm-hmm. habits and stuff. So do you think that it was just that big business got into it? And they kind of said, well, this is how you do this and this. Or were people so fed up with big business and being marketed to that they said, I just want it simple. Give me your bourbon neat and get me on my way. Well, I I, I don't I couldn't wager. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I think. I think, honestly, you end up with. With a bunch of guys coming back from World War Two. Yeah. Who just want to drink yeah they, i mean they have the to go back to, to their forget. regular lives nope. they have to go back to their regular lives Absolutely. they've got to they've got to operate businesses so you end up with this whole generation of adult men who just want to put down some booze right. and so you end up with you know these takes on the martini and but then as you get closer to the 1990s i think because it was so much easier to put out and cheaper to put out and to make money off of things right uh, to to buy in mm-hmm. so you're gonna buy in grenadine you're gonna buy gotcha. in lime you're gonna buy lime in, lime. You're gonna buy in yeah yeah you're so all of these these pre-packaged eat you can just you don't have to worry about prepping it you can just pop the bottle top off and stick a speed pour in it and right throw just it in the go. glass uh, and which, th- which we both know is at absolutely at the the cost of quality. It is absolutely because it just doesn't taste very good. Yeah, absolutely. So you 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 see cocktails digress. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly. Uh, and I think David Wonderich just said uh, in in Hey Bartender, he said, you know, just give me the booze, give it to me now, and get me get me on my way. Yeah. So smack me on the ass and get me out the door. <laughs> and and food is doing the same thing at the time. Oh, fast sure. food is really that's exploding. The, that's the promulgation like, yeah. of fast food culture, right? Yeah. McDonald's is is then. That's mm-hmm. when it's born. Wendy's in the, the late seventies, eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is an interesting parallel, seemingly, between food and booze. Yeah, where the food and beverage culture inextricable, like they're linked. And yeah. so even now. People want to know this is, which is, I think, a great thing for small producers and people making things mm-hmm. that have detail. Mezcal being a prime example where it comes from a place, it's done a particular way. These details are paramount to understanding right. why it's so beautiful. And food is the same way. It's like, well, what? No, now you can go too far and yeah. uh, take it to Portlandia sense. Yeah. which it's like yeah. you got to know its name, which train it was on, all these kinds of things. But <laughs> people do are care. over, right? But people care, they, you know, and that positions a place like the roosevelt room perfectly it does to capture not only historically but to capture in a sense of quality and showing what those pieces look like and i i think you guys have a really wonderful menu i mean i, I stopped in there finally the other night and it's i love it you know if i do a flight but then i had to be dragged out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah somebody somebody came in and he was like uh I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna do this like a playlist. I'm gonna you know do a <laughs> by the era. Uh, and and I said, well, I mean, yeah, I'll call you a cab or right. Do you, do you have somebody coming to pick you up or what's the deal? Because I'll <laughs> Cause make you, you said all. fifty plus, right? There's fifty four. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you could probably handle. I don't know those those so old school old Jerry ones, Thomas man. ones, man. Those they're Heavy all handed. yeah. They're all boozy stirred cocktails. Sure. I think you'd probably get through the first five and yeah. struggle. But uh. 
But, but yeah. how's it how's it feel being so you think about coming out of academia, let's just call it that. Yeah. And you step into what is an, your own sense of academia if you it think is. about it, it. Absolutely. It's highly academic absolutely. and highly cerebral. The approach being a chronological mixology bar, God forbid I use the word. But like being around Dennis who thinks thinks so much. Dennis thinks so much. And then mm-hmm. Justin who just executes, you know? You get this interesting group of people. Like, yeah. It's really a, a nice balance. Um and I'm immensely proud to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm going to go on record right now. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Dennis, for the opportunity. Yeah, that's wonderful. To be part of something so wonderful. Uh, what do you I, think? I don't that... know what I would have. <laughs> I, <don't know, laughs> I really don't know where I would have gone uh, if I didn't have that direction. Right I'm now. sure you, you made it work, though. Yeah, and that's that's the best part. Like, what do you, what do you think? Because obviously, not anybody can just get to work with those guys. They do have a keen eye for detail and talent mm-hmm. and stuff. So you know, causing you to introspect for a moment. What was that thing that you, that they knew you brought to the table? Uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I don't know if it was them being comfortable enough around me to just the way that we interacted together. They right. felt like, uh, you can teach a monkey to make a cocktail. Sure. You really can. Um, but it's how well do you work with this person? Yeah. How well, how, do they see do they see this the same way that you do are they like-minded yeah. you know are you all like-minded and i think that we're all like-minded mm-hmm. i mean we we bicker over font and right aesthetics you know, aesthetics god, but, god only i i can't even imagine what that room is like trying to get you guys on this on the same page for a cocktail build yeah. <laughs> well for the build that stuff see that's the easy stuff was it the build all of see that's what that's what I mean as far as being like minded is do we want to all do this thoroughly the right way right the the right way whatever that quote yeah. and whatever that means the classic way yeah to the original spec are, are we gonna do a gimlet with house made lime cordial mm-hmm. are we or are we gonna do it with lime and and simple, simple. syrup right you know so we made our own. Lime cordial, because that's what the spec called for. It was yeah. lime cordial. It tastes better, too. It does taste better. It tastes a lot it better. Does. Yeah, that drink is great. I'm, awesome yeah, once you though. start getting oil, like actual oils and essences in mm-hmm. there that are natural, yeah. there's a depth that you can't get yeah. otherwise. I mean, it, the original was roses, but... Ugh. But, I mean, and that, cringed that's a, a great, I just can't that's a great story, though. That's a great story. Yeah? Yeah, it was just a way for for uh, for sailors to get their... Their bit, of, their, their bit of citrus. Yeah. yeah. No, see, that makes sense. But Utilitarian going back yeah, to they it. Yeah, they, they gave them roses and they gave them rum. Mm-hmm. But the upper echelon of, of you know, the the officers right. were like, well, because we're bougie British guys, we we're going to drink gin. gin instead. So There's the wonderful story that brings us to Navy strength that yeah, I tell exactly, all the time. Exactly, you know? yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, but yeah, so so I think, I think they were just looking for somebody who they could get along with yeah. and who was going to be willing to put in the hours and and want to do it the same way. Yeah. And and I think that... How's reception been so far? Not to cut you what, off. How's, how's reception been? been? I think it's been... I saw a great story. I've seen yeah, I mean, Zag, Zagat or Zagat, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's Zagat. Top 15. It? Yeah, top 15. Which is awesome. Uh, there's been a few Thrillist uh, bits there. Yeah. I mean, Justin, Dennis did 30 under 30 last year. Right. Justin got 30 under 30 this year. Um, it's, yeah. 
some the, some celebrities. Yeah, I feel like I'm working for. I mean, I'm literally working for Mr. GQ, which That's is pretty cool. Exactly That's right, awesome. Yeah. yeah, and then there's that. There's Justin's uh, most imaginative bartender in North America, 2015, right. which is. A brilliant uh, of, of title for him. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I mean, he competed against some really amazing bartenders, and that that I couldn't imagine that. I mean, that is like some some of the most exhausting days of probably his career. I right. think. Um, How is that for you? Do you do you see yourself getting into that game, the into competition the, into game? The competition game? Yeah. No, I. You're not. You're not that egotistical. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I, I just, I don't know. I'm not that competitive yeah. anymore. I, I did that for so long. And it's what uh, burnt you out. It burnt me out, man. It just doesn't, it's not, I don't think where my heart lies. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of fun. Like I did the the bourbon bluegrass barbecue. Yeah, yeah. How that was, was that? so much. That was a lot of fun, man. It was really great to be in the same room. You know, you got like everybody. She, you've got Ryan Floyd. You've got actually Adam the Scott, guy, so. uh, Scott Birch, who won that competition, mm-hmm. worked with me at Foundation in Raleigh. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. so that's full circle there, which is pretty cool. He won that competition. It was a great cocktail. Um, Very And cool. you got JR and, and, and Samantha. Some, oh God, the whole room, really. Samantha and Elizabeth Powell. Uh-huh. Who, I'm going to miss you, Elizabeth. I didn't really know you for all that long, but she was a, a great member of the community here. Yeah. It just moved off to Portland. Well, Portland's lucky, of course. For sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of Portland, though, all of our mates are yeah. in Portland this Portland week. Portland Cocktail Week. Yeah. Uh, How did you uh, make a make a? I didn't to get out there. I didn't apply. Yeah. No. Uh, that was coming from North Carolina. The USBG was in Chapel Hill, not in Raleigh, and they we were so close in proximity that they wouldn't let us have our own chapter. Even oh, though we really? had like six bars in yeah. six cocktail lounges five cocktail lounges in, mm-hmm. in raleigh um so none of us really heard about any of this stuff gotcha um we all just sort of like learned on the job and mm-hmm. taught ourselves by reading books and whatnot you gotta love that though yeah that's it where was, the best artists are made yeah, defending for themselves self-made which was awesome yeah um but uh but yeah so i didn't really even hear about it until <laughs> justin was like hey did you put in an application and i was like for, for what? For what? Yeah. And he's like, Portland Cocktail Week, dude. <laughs> it's like, no, no. I, I, what? And please inform me. Yeah. I have no idea what that and, is. And uh, I know Dennis is out. Is Justin out there as well? No, Justin. He's not. He's in town. Yeah, somebody so had to stick around. Um, yeah, somebody had to stick around with running the two bars. Right. I mean, I, I can only work so many hours in yeah. one bar. Well, and then it's... there's bottle service on Saturdays at the Madison, which is a whole different animal. Oh, man, and Justin crushes imagine. that. I can't even imagine doing that. I mean, that's absolutely uh, out of my league. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, he had to stick around to help help make sure the place was running all right while Dennis went off and, and gallivanted. gallivanted about in Portland. Gets to talk about himself, I think. I think he's doing a class, right? Yeah. Or he's a, a no, cabin he's, leader He's doing or a master's program. He's, uh, I think he's the head of... Uh, numerous bartenders yeah. from the region. Very cool. It's a great, great experience. Yeah, I, I hope to do that next year. I think that's, that I'm you're on so the tra- track to do it. Yeah, man. it'll be fun. I'm. Ex- there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to handle in the next year. Bar yeah. five, right? Uh, probably Portland Cocktail Week. I actually did apply for um, <clears throat> for San, Ant- San Antonio Cocktail Conference, mm-hmm. um, but I applied as a volunteer, not as not for uh, for a grant. Gotcha. Okay. Just just because. 
I'm a glutton for punishment. And yeah. I can't ever stop working. <laughs> so no, that's a good thing, man. I and think I that always that's like why to experience poached... things from the operations standpoint. Right. Um, Does that mean that, you know, in two to five years that you're going to use these, these skills you learned about economy and scaling and utility? Are you going to open up your own place? Is that even something you want to do? <clears throat> well, um, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I think at this point, working with Justin and Dennis is going to lead to quite a bit of growth. Sure. Uh, obviously, growth in, in, in knowledge, but also growth as a company together. I think so. Uh, and so we'll see where that goes. I think first, before I start worrying about my own stuff. Yeah. I think, I think, probably in the next few years, I would hope that that our company would get to the point where it's not going to just be their places, right. but some of my own ideas would be mixed in as well. I think so. So, so really I think the opportunity for, you know, my own place mm-hmm. would be kind of part of the, the deal. Yeah. I would hope, but, but it's, but we'll see. And, it, and if it's not, and, and, you know, I learned quite a bit from those guys, yeah. then, then I think I'll be in the position to probably finance, be at the point where I can financially, you know, afford to to do that in addition to what I'm doing right. with them. So, so we'll see. So suffice it to say, though, that Austin seems like a pretty good mix for you. It does. Pretty it does good match. Yeah, I moved out here within a month. I met somebody wonderful. We moved in together in February. Yeah, and to so make it easier having that love. Yeah, you know, you know, fuck it, man. Like, <clears throat> I know I listen to other podcasters and stuff, and they're just they're so reticent to talk about how important love is in their mm-hmm. life, probably because yeah. they're damaged and been you know, through all these <laughs> other things. Like, I've got you know, I've got an ex wife and stuff too. Like, we've all mm-hmm. gone through shit, but like, yeah. love is a really powerful force in all that. It is, uh, and it's not a distraction. Like, so many people go into this thinking I have to do this on my own, right? And it's anything else is but just why? a distraction. Why? Why? You know? But why? I mean, I feel so fortunate to be able to work. I mean, well, while they were both gone, I was working, or while Justin was gone mm-hmm. fairly recently in New York doing right. some stuff the with Picard Wall Street stuff. Journal. Yeah, I saw that awesome. interview. Um, I they was both working... had as much makeup on, finally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the interviewing, just <laughs> shiny and bright. Yeah. Great. yeah, yeah. He looked great. Yeah. He looked great. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was working like 75-hour work weeks for a couple cool of weeks. It. And it was, it's hard. That's oh, hard course, when you yeah. spend so much time away from somebody and... Dennis and I relate on that very, very well because oh he's got he's he got Stacey, um, like, he's got Stacy. Yeah. So so yeah, he and he and I relate very, very well on that. But but the the best part of the day every time was being able to go home and get in bed and cuddle up somebody. I really yeah. can't explain how how much being able to to uh, work not just for myself but for somebody else encourages me to get out of bed every day. Yeah. Yeah, it does absolutely. It's a brilliant thing, man, and. In a short time, you've managed to leave a really good imprint in Austin so far, and I can't wait to see what happens. Me too. Working man. with those guys, obviously, you're really intelligent guy. You think about the details of things. You're always looking to see what's next and and how to push the envelope. So I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah. I can't wait. And thanks so much for spending some time with me, yeah. Alex. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Mike. Thank I appreciate you. Appreciate you. See ya. What a nice guy, right? It was it's great chatting with Alex. Alex hasn't been in Austin that long. I think he was saying he celebrated his one year anniversary, but it feels like he's been here much longer than that. Like he's already left a little bit of an imprint, and I can't imagine 
then we're not going to see a lot more from him, whether he's opening up his new bar, competing, wearing a good suit. There's lots to learn from Dennis and Justin over there at the Roosevelt Room. And I think you got a, a massively effective trifecta of guys over there. So thanks again for listening to Show to V. But no matter what happens today, no matter what happens tomorrow, just remember, keep dancing. <laughs>